Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in WFRP 4th Edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Steve and Matt. How you be, peoples? Doing well, doing well, Lance. Thank you. My name is Matt, and I am here to talk about uh, games and Warhammer. Hi, my name's Steve. Uh, I'm doing quite well. Excellent. So what have you guys been up to this month or with gaming since we last recorded? Been trying this game called Battle Brothers. Been doing that one. Also been trying another PC game called RimWorld. Uh, they're both pretty much survival games in different ways, but uh, they've been fun and frustrating at the same time. Very cool. Yeah, I, uh, boy, I recently have gotten into a, uh, a game that came out last year that had a lot of buzz, but once it released, it, it got some bad publicity, unfortunately. It's called First Martians. It's a game mm-hmm. for, uh, that came out from Portal Games. It's a re-implementation of Robinson Crusoe, and it is super fun. It is basically the movie The Martian, if it were a board game. It's got an app that drives special events and your goals that uh, you're doing throughout it, and it is ridiculously fun. That sounds fun. Yep. See, that sounds cool, but I'm cooperative. way more interested in a different game you played recently are, are you talking about rising sun no are oh, you talking about gloomhaven no you're talking about x-wing no <laughs> oh my gosh it's it's a beautiful game that uh, uh, you just recently yes. picked up yes indeed so as if anybody listened to episode zero they would know that i, I have talked at length about my love of hero quest although never owning a copy of it uh, i am delighted to say that uh, the wonderful host next to me Mr. Steve Ferris graciously gave me his copy. So I uh, got that to the table, and it's remarkable that a 30-year-old game still plays just as smooth, just as, as solid as it did back then. played it with my normal board game group, and we loved it. So awesome. we intend to play through that whole campaign and have a blast with it. That's cool. Awesome. I basically have been moving my life from a basement to a different bedroom because of a flood. So uh, I haven't done a whole lot in the gaming except that myself. Yeah, that's what I've been up to. So do we have any news and announcements? Well, there still hasn't been a whole lot that's came out from Cubicle 7. Uh, Still waiting on a, a firm release date. You know, just as a reminder, you can still get the first edition PDFs, which have been released by Cubicle 7 including the core rulebook, Shadows of Bogenhofen, and The Death on the Reich. Those titles are available through drivethroughrpg.com, which if you're not familiar with that website, it is uh, a site you can go to and download and print out your own RPG games, and they are phenomenal. Nice. It's a great way to get your hands on some RPGs for little to no cost. I picked up a couple. I picked up the Bogenhofen one just because someone said in the forums like it had an amazing map for a castle, and it does, yeah. and it was awesome. Nice. Yeah. Well, with some 4th uh, edition news, Cubicle 7 has yet to give us a release date, but they did confirm on their forums uh, this week that there will be free PDFs with print products. Yay! So, <laughs> however, they're still discussing if the PDF will come out before the print edition, and if so, um, by what margin. But either way, uh, the release date has not been locked down uh, for 4th edition. But again, it's confirmed for mid-2018, so that gives a quite, not a huge... Yeah, kind well, of a three-month, three, yeah, four-month. three-month. So we'll I still, see. I still hear rumors for like May, and I'm like so hoping that it's going to be May. <laughs> At least if it comes out by Gen Con, I'll be so, so happy. 
Yes. So, which, by the way, they've confirmed that they're going to be. I think we said this last show, but they confirmed they're going to be running fourth edition games at Origins and Gen Con this year. Ooh, so, buddy. Yeah, that sounds Ooh, delightful. Gen Con. Yeah, can't wait. So, well, don't forget you can check us out on social media, Twitter. Our handle is at Old World Podcast, and Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Old World Podcast. All right, guys. So let's talk about our main topic here today. This is the first part in a series. Today, we're going to give you a general overview of the Warhammer world. We've discovered that not everyone actually knows the world of Warhammer or what to expect when you're gaming in the Warhammer world. Uh, We're going to explain what it is to dive into Warhammer and how it's different than other settings you might be familiar with. While today's show topic is actually dedicated towards the listeners who probably don't have a deep or familiar knowledge of the world, we think it's going to be a great overview for anyone, including people that probably already know the world is just a refresher. This is going to be a multi-part series on the introduction to Warhammer, or the Warhammer world. And this is great because the actual Warhammer world has decades of expansion and development behind it. So we're just going to give you a brief, high-level overview. There are several things that we believe are going to be important to this, that you at least have a small amount of understanding before you like start playing or delve into it that might be helpful to you. And we've broken this series and that we're going to do these show topics on into four parts. Those four parts are going to be, first, which we're going to work on today, is the feel of the world, the themes, and the history of, of the Warhammer world, the, the high-level overview of that. Our second is going to be about magic and technology levels in the Warhammer and how that's different than what you might be familiar with. Our third one will be Denzians of the Warhammer. So what are the races and the peoples, and how is that different than you know you might be used to in another game? In the fourth part, we're dedicating a whole show just to a basic overview of chaos because chaos drives Warhammer in a way – until we explain it, if you've never been in the Warhammer world, it's – yeah. There's a reason that it has a whole show topic just dedicated to it. So that's what we're looking at as far as the breakdown. All right, here's where uh, we say something important. We want to put a disclaimer here. As we discuss, Warhammer setting is rich and diverse, has lots and lots of content, uh, which has grown over the years. To top it off, that background has often changed. Like with the old world, it's been blown up. Uh, (laughs) While we are doing our best to give accurate information and overview of the world, it is important to note that things may change or, uh, or say something wrong. If we do, we apologize. Yeah, don't yell at us. That there's a <laughs> lot of Warhammer lore out there, right. and it is Hate impossible mail. for everyone to know all of it. Hate mail is not welcome. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, well, if you do, just send it to Lance. That's yeah. right. Can we yeah, make that thanks. a thing? That's my it, yeah. <laughs> so one of the really interesting things about this podcast specifically is that there are the three hosts, and the three of us have very different degrees of knowledge when it comes to gaming in general, to role playing in general, and to the Warhammer world. If you haven't already listened to episode zero strongly encourage you to take a look at that because each of us goes in depth into our past in gaming and warhammer so you can get a really good feel for where we're coming from uh, but we'll each go through just give you a quick rundown I'll, I'll start because i as far as warhammer goes i have the least amount of knowledge by collectively 20 some years is that close is that to that fair? yeah, yeah that, so Kind of I, uh, <laughs> I've only known Warhammer Fantasy for the last eight months to a year or so. Actually, like really gotten into it. I've dabbled in Warhammer 40K. I liked that a lot. 
but for, as far as Warhammer Fantasy goes, I have very little knowledge there. Role-playing, I've been both a player and a GM for the last two and a half, three years or so. So, And I very, very much still consider myself a newbie when it comes to that. I enjoy running games. I enjoy playing role-playing games, but it's still something that I'm learning and growing in. And then finally, in gaming in general, I, I love board games more than anything. I play you know, board games, computer games, uh, video games on a daily basis. So I'm hoping that these episodes, the first four that we're doing here, talking about the Warhammer history, are going to speak to me directly because there's a lot of information here that I'm looking forward to learning. All right. Well, uh, my Warhammer knowledge and history and so on, uh, like previously I stated, um, I've been playing the Warhammer Fantasy for, for a good while. We're talking maybe 20 years over, maybe 23 years. Dang, well, it's I'm, been a while. Are, are we yeah. getting old? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but over that, of course, you know, we read the rule books, the history, timeline, so on, and, and we've been there for most of of the history. You know, just kind of playing the game and so on. Uh, with role playing with Warhammer, pretty much just started, having a great time with this group, learning things, um, getting to love it more and more. So hopefully, you enjoy listening to us. For me, I've probably been into role-playing games the longest out of the group here. I've been GMing or playing role-playing games in some sort of fashion for over 10 years now. I've been doing a lot more of it in the past probably three or four years. Yeah, you're the one who introduced both Steve and I to role-playing. So. Right, sure right. Did. Yeah, it was Steve actually introduced me to Warhammer, like Warhammer Fantasy Battles, and that was like 20-something years ago that I think we just established, and I was all the way back in 5th edition. It was I remember buying my Lizardmen and Bretonian starter set. That was, that was it. I've been huge into Warhammer ever since then. I'm the type of guy that doesn't go partway into this stuff. I'm full in. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, so I'm super excited about this. So I probably have the most – well, I'm probably equal to Steve in actual general Warhammer knowledge. We've both been in, in the world for a long, long time. Yeah. I might have more role-playing knowledge from it from that standpoint. But it's definitely a world that I love and have been in for a while. So having said all that, you know a little bit about what we're doing. Let's talk about the main topic. The feel and overview of Warhammer is one of the main things that sets it apart from different settings. And actually, I kind of want to start with Matt almost. Like if, if I would say what words would you use to describe the Warhammer world in your limited experience? I'm yes. curious to what you would say. So limited experience is true. So we have played – is that five sessions now of uh, WFRP second edition? Four or five sessions somewhere Something in there? like that, yeah. yeah. You talked at length earlier about chaos. I think chaotic is a, a great word to describe it. I think – Deadly is often thrown around because, as we've already discovered, it is very easy to die in the system. Hmm. Wicked and dark, all those those things definitely are, are the ones that come to mind first and foremost. I think for me, I've done some research on how these people would classify the world of Warhammer like from a fiction standpoint. And it gets this weird place in between where it's considered high fantasy – but also gothic high fantasy, which mm, is a okay. weird combination if you think about it. Yes, it's a it's a realm where you know heroes can make the difference at the end of the day. But the world is sure it's one of wonders, but it's almost one where here are the wonders, and you see the ruins of those wonders that once were because this sure. world is dying. And so I feel like 
victory is possible, but only at great sacrifice. Where at the end, are you? Was it even worth it? Right. So that's kind of how I feel the theme and feel of overview of Warhammer is. Well, when you said say Gothic, when I think Gothic, I think of churches and religion, and that's definitely something that seems to play a pretty major role in Warhammer. It is, but for a lot of different reasons. When we get into the chaos episode, you'll kind of – because by default, we'll talk about chaos and how the other side of the coin is all the different religions and stuff that are in the, the Warhammer world. I, that's, that's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> well, how would you describe it, Steve? You know, my view is kind of the same. Like, like, like it's a really gritty world. Um, gritty they do world. go through wars. Um, some <laughs> lands do have generations of time where there's no war. But in the back of their mind, they, they always know that there was that war. There, there are demons. There are oryx. There are the undead. So it's kind of like you're living, but, yeah, that could be ripped away from you quite <laughs> yeah. quickly. You're living you know, now. So it's like it's, it's beautiful in places, but also deadly. Depends on your location. So I would definitely use the words dark, deadly, <laughs> war-torn. You have to struggle at times. It's grim. Yeah, um, grim. Grim is a good one. Grim, yeah. But overall, you know, it just shows that the good guys have been winning because we're stemming that tide. Right. Of wrongness and, and that chaos from before, from the old old ones, you know, their, uh, their device that they made. So it's a reflection almost of this world. You know, I mean, we, we don't have the right. same enemies. There, <laughs> right. there's, there's, there's no oryx, but there are, you know, right. yeah, things sure. that, that do want to do us harm. So What about destruction? I think destruction is yes. another good one. Oh, yeah. Yes, in a lot of ways. Lots of runes in this world. <laughs> right. It feels like in a lot of the Warhammer lore, some of your greatest victories are just stopping the invasion. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like yeah. – and then cleaning the, the mess up afterwards. It's not you're really beating the enemy. You're just stopping them from killing you. Yep. For a good time. You know? Right. Yeah. It's awesome. And if you compare these to some of the other fantasy worlds out there, like I really know Tolkien, Middle Earth. I'm really into that. It is a very different thing. Middle Earth is – is a beautiful place that is changing ages and continuing on where Warhammer is always feeling like I'm just delaying the inevitable, but it's a great victory nonetheless. You know, yeah. I don't know Game of Thrones very well. I know you may, like, how would you? I'd say I know, I know a fair amount yeah. of, uh, of the world of Westeros. Yeah. It seems a little bit different. I, I, there are just like you described, there's always going to be periods of war, periods of, of peace. And at least in the last several hundred years in uh, Game of Thrones, from my knowledge of it, things have been pretty calm. Mm-hmm. So there's been, a, you know, one family has ruled for a long time. The Targaryen family was the ruler for ages and ages and years and years. That led up to Robert's Rebellion, where there was, you know, a lot of battles that took place. But overall, it's it doesn't seem as dark until you start to go outward to the White Walkers mm-hmm. above the wall. You don't get any of those those fantasy creatures like they don't right. the people in westeros until daenerys hatched her dragons didn't believe that dragons were real because it had been so long right. since any had actually been alive that white walkers were just whispers you know old wives tales from the uh old nan and the people who who remember it but for the most part it's there to the point where magic and fantasy is so far removed that a lot of the people don't even believe it in it anymore right mm-hmm. So what we're getting at here is the Warhammer world is very different type of setting from most of the fantasy settings you would have out there. Kind of really already talked about this, but if you talk about like what kind of themes you might have in a game of, of Warhammer fantasy roleplay or what kind of campaigns you would want to run, what would those themes be around? Well, we pretty much told you already what would fit really, really well with using those words like 
sacrifice, holding back the tide of evil. You know, those are the types of things that would make great themes for your campaigns that would fit in this world really well. Having that glimmer of hope. Yeah. Yep. So let's move on. So our next part that we're going to kind of dig into a little bit is just an overview of the history. One thing to keep in mind as a player in Warhammer Fantasy, most beings, most humans or people, you know, elves, dwarves, they're going to have really limited knowledge on the history of this world. There aren't very good records. People that have the best records would be arguably the dwarves or the elves, and even their records are probably more focused specifically on their cultures, and all of their cultures have had major wars and strifes, which have destroyed lots of records too. Even your most learned wizards might not have an understanding of the big picture of the worldwide history. But what this does is this will give you guys an idea of where to go as far as just having an idea of how the world works might help you better envision how your character might be in the world that they're in. Having said that, the history of Warhammer, the Warhammer world could be split roughly into three large time frames. Those would be the Age of the Old Ones, the Age of Elves and Dwarves, and the Age of Man, which uh, most of your games are going to probably be in the Age of Man, but there's nothing saying you couldn't. I mean, that's the default setting for all of the Warhammer fantasy role plays that have been out so far. Now, can you could you break down all three of those collectively, like in a number of years? Like, is it... Is it we're talking like millions of years? We're talking thousands, hundreds of thousands, like hundreds or tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. Okay, I mean, there's real no number for like the age of the old ones. Okay, yeah. that was before the races, before the collapse, and no one quite knows their history, right? Except for the slant, but I think even they don't quite know it all at this point here because they're not right. the original they're just slant, interpreting yeah. what they think the old okay. ones wanted. Sure. So. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll start with the age of the old ones. Basically, this age was before the history that man would know in the old world. Actually, very few actually know about what happened in these times. The only true records would be kept by the lizard men, but precious few can actually read them. You know, the slant mage priests, and even they are kind of dying off. Before the old ones came, it was a time of dragons. Now imagine the world was pretty much populated by gigantic beasts. Leviathans, dragons, basically they were each pretty much vying for their own domain land on pretty much an isolated, cold planet. Until the arrival of the Old Ones. With the Old Ones, uh, they came from the depths of space and silvered ships and star spheres. So they were pretty uh, high-tech, advanced civilization that found this planet. Which which a lot of people would probably be surprised to realize. (laughs) Like in the Warhammer world, this whole world was you know, founded by spacefaring civilization, arguably. Yeah, so it's right. kind of weird. It's like you could tie it into 40K if you wanted to. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so basically they, they, they like this planet. They thought it would have a very important part in the general history of eternity. So they moved its past closer to the sun, changed some continents. They started making their own races like uh, the Slan, the Lizardmen, right. and so on. Basically, they wanted to fashion it into a utopia. Right. And arguably, nobody knows who the old ones are, Correct. where they came from. They're just known as old ones, and they were massively powerful. Yep. And even the technology that we, you could assume that they had is so mixed with magic because they taught magic to the lizardmen, this land. Yeah, they almost yeah. pulled uh, some, some, some of their powers from like pretty much chaos. Um, at one point, they made portals around the planet to have them travel vast distances and move at will from this realm to the next. So they were omnipotent. They were almost gods. Right. They really were. Yeah. And 
I, I read an interesting uh, theory today that the chaos in Materium realm as we know it in Warhammer, which we're going to go a lot more over in our episode four, might have been created by the collapse of the gates and allowing the reality to seep, just like chaos seeps into the Warhammer world, allowing reality to seep into the realm of chaos, which caused the creation of the chaos gods Correct, and stuff, yep. which is an interesting, interesting way to think about it. But we'll get more into that in the fourth episode. What the old ones did do, they started by creating the race of the Lizardmen. For whatever reason, they were transforming and changing the world to suit their needs. Whatever those needs were, we don't really know. But as part of those needs, they created the Lizardmen Empire. And they used the Lizardmen Empire, its giant armies, in order to like cleanse the world of things that they didn't want there, to set structure. Um, the Slanned Mage Priests, which look like giant frogs or toads, mm-hmm were given massive magical powers where they could use their magic to move continents and to create mountain ranges in order to form the world into the way that they wanted it. After a while, when the world was more the way they wanted, they started creating other races, and they called these the younger races, starting with the elves. The old ones were trying to accomplish something. They created the elves. The elves were very, very attuned to magic. But they had some problems with the elves. They were too attuned to magic. And so they went with the dwarves. They went the other direction. And the dwarves are very anti-magic. They they have almost no attunement to magic at all. So there are no dwarf spellcasters, for example. They just don't have that. So eventually they then created humans, which humans were more highly adaptable, kind of like the in-between if you think about it with the dwarves and elves. And then there was a bunch of other races that they also arguably made or may have been offshoots. <laughs> yeah, offshoots of like halflings and ogres and stuff like that. And this is all still prehistory that we're talking about. So long story, old ones came in, changed up the world, made some lizardmen, you know, had massive armies, wiped stuff out, then created the younger races, the, the elves, dwarves, and humans. Again, your average person in in the old world is not going to know this. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, along the time where the old old ones came, orcs and goblins, they're kind of still a mystery in the world of how they came there. How did they arrive on on, on the planet or the old world? Uh, It's not really known. The theory is that the old ones ships that came here, they brought orc spores. Right. So they actually brought a virus to this planet. Right. And kind of the virus infested the planet from underground first. You know, yeah. then orcs in this become, world, yeah. they're not born. They come from a spore, like, yeah, like almost some, like, a, like a plant. spore sex. So, so yeah. it's almost like they're biological humanoid virus. They just want right. to spread, conquer, sure. have no reason why they do it. They just sure. want to yeah. do it. And that, that ties into their, their whole mentality for why they, why they are. So it's almost like they're Very a plague cool. and right. it's almost impossible to wipe them there's, out. Sure. <laughs> there's, there's an argument in uh, an interesting theory that's in 40K that the space orcs were actually developed as a biological weapon that got out of their control. Nice. Wow. Okay, that could tie, tie in with old ones as well. Yep, kinda. it could. Yep. You draw comparisons there to the whole Alien franchise with that same kind of thing. Right. Some of the argument is that the old ones might have made those giant lizardmen armies to cleanse the world of orcs, but we don't really know for sure. So all this was going on, and then some sort of cataclysm happened, some sort of bad, bad thing, and the gates, they created the gates on the North Pole and the South Pole, which were gates that could instantly transport the old Which ones. Which were the portals. Which yeah. were the portals, right. Something went really wrong and the gates collapsed or got damaged. Something happened. And instead of just being a portal to transport themselves somewhere else, 
the gates gave access and allowed the realm of chaos, the realm of ether. It's like an immaterium realm to seep into the world. During this chaos, whatever happened during the uh, cataclysm, the old ones disappeared. No one knows where they went. We don't know if they were destroyed. We don't know if they were... Like a chain reaction yeah, across the whole entire... They might have just up and left and said, this is a lost cause. My you bad. Know, yeah, <laughs> our bad. We're out. <laughs> whatever happened to them, they're not around anymore. Now, the whole world basically is dealing with an invasion of the immaterium realm, which means like demons and magical beings of great power that just want to destroy everything. Essentially, the younger races had to learn how to fight wars. Uh, the Lizardmen Empire, as giant as it was, basically took the brunt of fighting this, but it was like a losing battle. Mm-hmm. And interesting enough, it was the elves who originally didn't have any sort of uh, – they weren't even really trained to fight or battle, ended up joining in the battles and fighting chaos. And they created at the center of their homeland of Ulthan a magical vortex. They sacrificed some of their most powerful wizards and essentially siphoned all the energy that's coming out of the portals that was causing all these demons to be able to appear in the the real world and fight. So they siphoned all that magical energy back out of the world by creating the spell, and it's it's still there today. It's a vortex that just pulls that extra out. So it's coming in, but it's getting sucked out. And now... The in materium, the demons and stuff have to be really close to that chaos portal to be able to materialize. Except that power waxes and wanes. Sometimes, when it's really powerful, you could have a demon or chaos invasion. After they did this, they basically saved the world, and all of the races in the world were decimated. All of their great buildings, everything that they'd accomplished, was all dust. It's like society of the. All of the humans and elves and dwarves and everybody had to start over. Just hit the reset button. Right. And that pretty much led us uh, to the age of elves and dwarves. This time, pretty much the elves stuck with themselves and Ulthan. The dwarves had the mainland, the mountain chains, and so on. Both of them created great works at this time. Like I said, it was very peaceful. Um, they did it was like a thing. second golden age almost. Correct. For- yep, just lots of expanding, uh, no one to fight at this time, just a lot of growing and getting done, done what they needed to repair their empires. Elves and dwarves, uh, at one point, they were allies. Long story right. short, a phoenix king's son did not get the crown. That was Malekith. He was he was quite pissed at that that someone else got it. So he actually went to the mainland where the dwarves were, became friends with them. At this point, they're fighting orcs and goblins, so they went through many many battles. He became a hero. They became best friends, you know, with the high king of the dwarves and so on. A lot of other elves started to go to the mainland too, to the old, old world, and they started to have c- cities there as well with the dwarves. So it's yeah, kind of like, like they were hand cities. in hand, you know. Yeah. They, they were best of buds. And, and I think it's important yeah. to note at this time, humans were basically living as tribes scattered around the world. Correct. They had yep. no real culture, or they weren't even yeah. a thought really. Right, yet. <laughs> right. Basically, all that came to an end when the guy that got crowned king over Malaketh. Uh, he came over uh, to visit the High King Snorri, and basically he just bashed him, said he was just an, uh, an envoy. And this is Malekith, who for 1,600 years was a warrior. So uh, he kind of grew bitter. Long story short, Malekith 
killed the Phoenix King. And at that point, he tried to become king himself, but got rejected by their fires that determined who was king. He pretended that his dark elves were the high elves, and he ambushed some dwarfs. So the dwarfs, of course, went to Ulthan to declare, hey, you attacked us, we want our recompense back. Instead of helping them back or saying, hey, it wasn't us, they shaved their beards, which, as we all know, it's a huge slam. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And that pretty much started the war. Right. Oh, and vengeance. that's to the war of the beard. Right. The war of the beard. So, like, from a, a higher level, essentially what happened is the. A section of the elves for this before this happened broke off to become the dark elves. That was called the Sundering. And then the dark elves pretended to be high elves, attacked the dwarves. And then the high elves were like, whatever, you're crazy. I'm going to insult you by shaving your beards. And then the dwarves went to war, like full scale. And this is – don't think like Tolkien where all oh, the, the dwarves have a few scattered holds. They, they're no longer in their heyday. Or the elves are in the hidden glades. They, they used to be great. No, this is where both powers were extremely powerful. The dwarves controlled a massive empire and had no real enemies that could stand up to them. And the same thing for the elves. So sure. th- this was just a crazy – it's like two first world countries going full on at each other. Wow, OK. All, all over a shaved beard. All over a shaved to beard. To be fair, it, if somebody tried to shave my beard, I would not be happy about it. So. Right. Well, and if you think about it, in the Warhammer world, dwarves and elves are very – I'm trying to think of the right words. Dwarves are very, very, very stubborn, right? right. Very, to a fault, incredibly in the Warhammer world. And elves are very, very, very arrogant, again, to a fault. And so you take those two things, neither one wanted to back down. It was yeah. a terrible, bloody war. Yeah, it ended up pretty much destroying both empires. Not really so much destroying them all, but decimating them. Right. So I will note, as a dwarf player, I should say this, that uh, the end of the war happened when the dwarf high king killed the elf High King, the Phoenix King, in combat. And the elves weren't going to let the issue die, but they got invaded by a massive dark elf uh, invasion. Instead of fighting the dwarves anymore, the elves just pulled their entire population, said, all you colonists and stuff, come back to the homeland. You need to fight. Because they spent so many resources fighting the dwarves, they needed everyone home in order to fight the dark elves. So it's kind of like North Korea and South Korea, if you think about it. We didn't really stop yeah. fighting. We just – I didn't just, read how long <laughs> the War of Vengeance or the War of the Beard was, but it ended on – It was the, like a couple hundred years. Yeah, it, it ended on the 14th siege of Tor Alasi. So and 14 at, times yeah, that city had been sieged. <laughs> at the 14th time. <laughs> Goodness. Um, the High King yeah. got killed and – not the High King, but the Phoenix King from the elves got killed. And to this day, the Phoenix Crown is in the vault of the dwarfs. That's right. Yep. So it's kept there, like the highest crown that the elves wow. could have. Yeah. Yeah. Boom, we got you. And it's, got your crown. That's cool. I can't wait to have – at some point, I'm sure we'll have an in-depth like dwarf episode, and I'm just – I can't wait to get in, <laughs> right. get into that stuff. Well, I, I jump in here real quick and just say that in just, – just knowing what we've talked about today, like that's already influenced how I intend to play – my character moving forward like it's mm-hmm. this is great information and it's knowing stuff. you know how you know it's always said that dwarves and elves don't like each other well yeah that's fine to say that but why you know knowing mm-hmm. why yep, exactly. can really you know give you some strong well we can uh, talk more but in in the warhammer world one of the big thing about dwarves 
is under no circumstances do you ever forget a grudge. Every single thing that ever slight that grudge is ever done theory. to you, it must be recompensed. It, it's yeah. everything. They it, got a book of grudges. They, it goes down yeah. in there. If you say something mean about somebody, you're going to have to pay with gold or with there's some sort of payment I think I'm that gonna, must I'm happen. I'm going to buy a notebook on the drive home and I'm going to – that's going to be my it's book of grudges. Book of grudges. I, I have a book of grudges from my <laughs> Warhammer battle army that I fill out every time That's I lose. Excellent. That's excellent. Nice. And then when I win, I cross out certain things. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So. Well, um, to end up uh, this session of the Age of Elves and Dwarves, pretty much um, after the elves left uh, the old world to go back to their mainland to fight the dark elves, the dwarves were not done fighting. Some say it was a slant mace priest moving continents or to kind of do the overall plan that should be done for the planet. They think that may have caused earthquakes over the dwarf kingdom. But basically there was massive earthquakes, created huge, huge caverns, uh, holes in their fortresses that used to be impenetrable. So that allowed all the goblins and the orcs to kind of start to invade the Skaven. So that began uh, the goblin wars and their struggle. They they did those wars for maybe a thousand years and they lost a couple of their holds. Uh, So they're still in the fight, but uh, it's not one that – the dwarves, end anytime soon. the dwarves called this the time of woes. Basically, they were so decimated themselves from the war with the elves yeah. that when this cataclysm hit their realm, they had to now fight multiple enemies on multiple fronts, and they just they didn't have the strength anymore to do it. Yeah. And ever since then, the dwarf realms have been in decline. They've so. never they've never gotten back to their former glory, right? Due to the constant strife of sure, right? So on. That leads us to the Age of Man, where most of us are going to be playing our games. Really, the Age of Man is about the empire, but it really comes down to two main events. There's the the kingdom of, and I'm going to not say this right, but Nehekara, I think. That sounds closer, if not perfect. Right. Right, yeah. Looks like it. So the kingdom of Nehekara was, think of... Ancient Egypt, uh, they built pyramids and did all these things. They had all these rites for the dead. They were just this giant, massive society. And they were a golden society when the people of the empire were still tribes and stuff. They weren't really involved in any of the dwarf stuff. They were farther south and out of the way of where, where any of the fighting would be. And so they got to become this great nation. I'm not going to go into a ton of detail about it, but long story short is one of their high priests combined their rituals of magic for the dead and all these things to try to preserve. They were obsessed with prolonging life or having an afterlife or life after death. This guy named Nagash managed to capture some dark elves, learn about dark elf magic. He somehow got it out of them and then combined it with the magic and the rituals and stuff that they had come up with for trying to do everything they could to bring life essentially ended up becoming the most powerful undead. He brought basically necromancy to life and vampirism. Those were all things done by Nagash. And Nagash was so powerful for all of the information he learned. He is essentially an unkillable foe. That it, There's a whole – we could go into a lot of depth uh, yeah, about I mean, Nagash. He, he, but. He's been torn apart, killed a few times. He always comes back. He always yeah, comes he's back. He's even in the in the new one. Even mm. though the world destroyed, he's still around. Yeah, Age of Sigmar. So. He's like one of their gods or something. Yeah, so, so yeah. yeah, he's at that point now. So he kind of succeeded in, in what sure he was like, trying to accomplish. Yeah. In the long story, he cast one giant spell, killed everybody in the entire Nehekara civilization – 
and then rose them all from the dead to fight a battle. There's a lot more in depth about that, yeah, but basically that was the end, and that's why that's known as the Deadlands and all that, because nobody lives there anymore. The second major event was the rise of Sigmar in the Battle of the Blackfire Pass. So Sigmar was one of the barbarian chieftains up in the area that will become the Empire of Man. He united a bunch of the tribes and then took a giant army in the Battle of Blackfire Pass, save the High King of the Dwarves. They fought together against the orcs and the dwarves, because they want to pay back good for good and everything, helped them develop and bring up their own culture and helped them learn how to do, you know, swords and smithing and all that kind of stuff. And the empire rose out of this. And honestly, that was a formation. The empire, the empire you could go into a lot of depth about the just the age of man from that, but Sigmar was the first founding emperor, yes. and they created the provinces of the empire, and there's lots of wars and different things going back and forth. We could spend all day talking about those, but the empire was created, and it has, ever since then, it has been the bastion of mankind, of humankind, I guess, in this world, where they are the most powerful, they can raise the armies, they have semi-technology, they can do so much. It's uh, pretty amazing. So r- real quick, I know that uh, the Age of Sigmar is something that is is quite controversial and, and polarizing in the Warhammer world. Does that take place essentially after the Age of Man, it, or, or how does that how does that fit into all of this? So the Age of Man is when the world, the Warhammer world, ends. Okay. At the end of the Age of Man, there is something called uh, what did they call those wars? It was the End Times. End Times. Yes. Yep. So the End Times happened and. If you can think of the largest chaos invasion ever known, the largest orc invasion ever known, the whole world battling everywhere all at once to fight off. In fact, I think at one point Nagash led the undead to defeat chaos to try to save the world that he wanted to destroy because he didn't want them to have it. He wanted to have it. It's The Skaven came out of their burrows in amazing numbers. The battles were unending and eventually – Chaos one. Yeah, the only reason why Skaven doesn't rule the world is they're always infighting between the tribes right. or the clans. If if they ever work together, there'd be yeah. tens of billions. <laughs> right, just, you we wouldn't yeah. be able to stop them. So, okay. Yeah, that's but, interesting. <laughs> so what happened is the world was essentially destroyed into the ether, and then small pieces of the world were. And the, I don't know the Age of Sigmar lore very well, but basically Sigmar was one of the gods that was powerful enough to survive along with a few others including Nagash and stuff and they created the eight realms which is the new world of Age of Sigmar so basically we blew up this planet and created some bubble realms that are all connected somehow that's the part that because a lot of people me included I'm I miss my old world but I'm really glad because cubicle seven is going to give it back to me right Well, hey, uh, for some additional resources, you can always, uh, you know, for books, Warhammer Fantasy Battle Rule books, uh, there's always a Warhammer Army books with, uh, they usually have maps, history in them. They're always nice, pictures, yeah. so on. Um, the Warhammer, and they're cheap online. You can yes. get them three or four bucks because they're old Army books. I know they're for playing the game Warhammer Fantasy Battles, yeah. but there's a lot of great lore in them. And if you are, like, a history buff, you could also do, like, the second edition, first edition, third edition PDFs of Fantasy Warhammer. 
There's tons of stories. I mean, it's really well done. Like the Magic PDF is so. Oh, oh so you're talking like WFRP second yes, edition and yes, stuff. Yes, yeah, there's yep. so much information. So much information. In it. Yeah. So those are nice. Um, Warhammer, Warhammer 40K, they always have their dabbles. Uh, they're nice reads. They're usually really well written. Or you can do the web, uh, warhammerfantasy.wikiaid.com or gamesworkshop.com or whfb.lexicanum.com. So, so to clarify, games-workshop.com and then whfb.lexicanum.com. L E X I C A N U M dot com because I don't know lexi- right. I don't know what that Le- is. Lexicanum or that- fantasy battle. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, I don't know. Or simplify that by going to Google and typing in <laughs> right. Warhammer. You'll, right. you'll get there your you info go. that way. I mean, agree. Simplify it a little bit. That sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, that's it for our show tonight. Thanks for joining us. We have barely scratched the surface of this Warhammer world. Hopefully this gives you a little bit to go on. Hopefully it whets your appetites to dig further into the setting and get your own game of WFRP on your table. So for our next episode, we're going to be continuing our series on our episodes aimed at giving you an overview of the Warhammer world. Our next installment, we are going to be digging into the magic and tech of the Warhammer world and how it is so vastly and incredibly different than anything else out there. Magic is something that every player needs to have some understanding because it defines the world so well. Again, if you're wet behind the ears as a greenhorn or if you're a grizzled veteran, be sure to tune in for our next show. All right, keep in mind you can find all sorts of ways to contact us at www.oldworldpodcast.com. Or you can follow us on the web at Twitter at Old World Podcast or Facebook at Facebook.com or slash Old World Podcast. The Old World Podcast is recorded at AFK Games. AFK Games is located in Lansing, Michigan and is the one-stop shop for your tabletop and board gaming needs. Find out more online at www.afk-games.com. If you're in the area, be sure to stop in and say hi. This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW, Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC.